0: What's going on? Welcome to the People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. It's the People's Show. How do you get involved? You are the people. You text in 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber, three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at dunbarlumber.com. I'm Bick Elon, Victor, behind the glass, running the show today. And again, uh, get involved into the inbox. 650-650 on a Canucks game day as well game goes later today i'll be back uh, on the intermissions in the post game with Satyar shaw who by the way is going to be joining the show today rare rare appearance for sat on the people's show it's because we got the browns playing the seahawks this week so noted cleveland browns fan sat shaw will join us in the back half of the show brett Feschling in a handful of minutes as well on BFF, Brett Wrestling Fridays, as we get set for not just the game tonight, 7 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650, tomorrow as well, back-to-back. You'll hear Brett uh, calling the game tomorrow uh, for the game against the Rangers, also at 7 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. So it's a back-to-back tonight, four points up for grabs for the Canucks if they can do this well. And look, we've been kind of banging this drum all this week, but suddenly, the Alberta teams just can't get out of their own way. And just to, I'm sure you've looked at the standings, you're like, oh, three points for the Oilers, five points for the Flames. If you haven't noticed, that is just one point above where the Canucks were at after seven games for the Oilers, and one point ahead of where the Canucks were at last year after eight games for the Flames. That's the type of start that those two teams are having. And keep banging this drum of, Opportunity knocks here for the Vancouver Canucks. And yes, it's a tough spot. First game back after a long road trip. You worry about that. You're getting ready for a back-to-back. We're talking about managing minutes for some key players like a Hughes, a Horonic, Mikheyev's name was mentioned today. Now, he's coming back from injury, but here's Rick talking, being very cognizant of the idea that, hey, got a back-to-back coming up, got to manage his managers' minutes. They do want to get him out on the PK eventually, all that sort of stuff. So how do you react getting ready for this game? And yet the opportunity still presents itself with those two teams struggling. And this chase, it should feel an urgent pace to begin the year because opportunity presented itself here for the Vancouver Canucks to wake up tomorrow morning and be six points ahead of the Oilers. And I know you're saying, like, Beck, it's October. We're doing this thing right now, of six points ahead at October 28th. Is, is that what we're looking at? October 28th, because you wake up tomorrow. Well, you know what it's like. You've lived this misery of waking up in early November and saying, oh, six points out of a playoff spot, try to claw back in. And you tell yourself these lies, and you tell yourself these ideas, and maybe they can get back into it, and it's just difficult. It's just difficult. And tonight, like this is not a team that you're looking at and saying, hey, they're one of the heavyweights in the Western Conference. Yes, they've had their historical success. The Blues have won a Stanley Cup. A lot of pieces have changed over there. And last year, this Blues team, as far as uh, constitution and their energy levels, they were one of the worst teams that comeback wins last year. They can be, if you put up a lead, it's, it, it can be over quickly, and the reason I bring that up is if you get a lead early, it's because they're playing on a back-to-back. They just did you a favor beating the Flames. So now get a favor from them and go get a couple of points tonight. And it's an important game. I know it's just Game 7. It feels ludicrous to say these are important games. We said these last year, too, when they were struggling. It's like, hey, this is an important game. It's an important game. It's an important game. And you just run this tireless treadmill. But right now, this is an opportunity for them to kind of get the weight off early and say, hey, now we can manage. Do the holiday weight before, and then come December, you know, add on a pack, pack on a couple of pounds, and suddenly you're like, all right, we're feeling comfortable. But at least we got that big lead in the standings. Should not be disregarded at all how important this early season is for uh, the Vancouver Canucks and this back to back getting ready for the Blues and the Rangers. And again, it's it's not just um, the divisional woes. Uh, that that present themselves, you know, j- just across the the conference. The Canucks have the fourth best record right now in the conference, the third best if you go by points percentage uh, in the conference. So the, the, their their spot right now. Sorry, I was correct. Fourth best. Um, their their, their spot can be uh, solidified early here, not confirmed, but certainly solidified in the early part of the season uh, with a, a a good weekend. And one of these two Alberta teams, like the, I, I know we're focusing on the Alberta teams but just because coming into the preseason, they were the expected combatants for these playoff spots. Obviously, Anaheim's had some success here at the beginning of the year. I still think they fade out. Arizona's had some success. They still fade out to me. The Preds, we've seen what they are like this week, and we'll get another viewing of them coming up on Tuesday. I think they fade out. There's going to be a kick at some point from Edmonton when McDavid comes back and all that sort of stuff. And if they have too much of a, a hill to climb, uh, what what can Vancouver do when that kick comes in and and they just get to sit at the top of the mountain and say, you're not going to make it up here? Important couple of weeks here for the Vancouver Canucks. This one, 650-650. Uh, Ottawa after Ethan Bear. Now, they have had a host of injuries all of a sudden. Looks like Eric Branch uh, better prognosis. But Thomas Chabot is out. Is that a team that enters the mix? Uh, remains to be seen what it, if it happens with Ethan Bear. He, look, he is technically a free agent; he can do whatever he wants. I still wonder if there will be a, a a matter of good faith extended from both sides. Say, hey, we wanted you. Unfortunate circumstance and unfortunate situation, uh, and and we'll come to a resolution together. But certainly, if, if a better offer comes by, uh, wouldn't begrudge Ethan Bear from taking the most money for a different opportunity. But We'll see what happens uh, with Ethan Bear here moving forward over the coming weeks and months, as well as to get ready for a game today. Also, a uh, lot more on the way. Big six today. Guys naming dudes later today. Thursday night football last night. Elon, uh, your uh, Buffalo Bills get that win. Didn't cover as we talked about, but I I can't recall seeing a hail mary like that. I can recall it. It's when DeAndre Hopkins caught one on the Bills for the win. <laughs> okay but that's like guys going up for the ball at least this was i couldn't believe yeah guys were falling everywhere they had a real chance chris godwin was right there that was a beautiful throw by baker he got it there i was i was a little worried that it's like i don't know baker's arm strength 60 65 yards like we say 60 yards but he's lining up you know a couple yards deep after the line of scrimmage then you get the offside penalty you think you know what They, they might have a shot here that's off to baker that was like the perfect hail mary pass uh no completion but chris godwin as soon as you cross the line, you got to get your head up, man. You don't often a see rough a one. hail mary attempt hit the turf like that, too. Usually Untouched, it's right? Yeah, somebody get near it. Uh, bizarre ending, but Bills actually looked fantastic uh, outside of the one tipped pick. It was it was cruise control for that. See offense. what happens when Josh Allen decides to run a little bit. He got the right calibration yesterday. He got the right calibration, and it's like, all right, that's the version of Josh we want to see. It, it, it's not reckless. Uh, and, and the tipped pick was just unlucky. But the Bills, uh, good showing for them last night in prime time against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so now they get their uh chance to get a long rest here. And it's an important one coming up. Sunday night next week, Cincinnati uh, is who the Bills will take on. So... We know the history, the, the the trio in the AFC, Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, that's been the power for the past couple of seasons. So that is a massive matchup for the Bills uh, coming up in 10 days. All right. Enjoying doing this on Fridays now. We are uh, chatting with our good friend Brett Festerling as we kind of look at everything, uh, you know, Kind of an extended pre-weekend show, because the Canucks going can to be playing every weekend, so we get our chance to uh, dig deep in everything that's going on with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, let's talk to them on BFF. It's Brett Feschling Fridays. Oh, you're the best friend Oh, <laughs> uh, it's BFF. What's going on, Brett? How you doing? What a day. What a day! Getting ready for a back-to-back, man. Uh, sun is shining and temperatures are getting cool, so it feels like it, it feels like true hockey season now. Out of the, like the eighteen, nineteen degree weather, and we're into nine, ten degrees here.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of yeah, exactly that, that time of year where it's just you start getting into the game and uh, the season rolls on here. So I'm excited.
0: Uh, all right, let's get into a bunch of stuff. Uh, Hughes heronic is is this thing that's kind of dominated this week here. Um, You know the thing that I noticed coming out of the uh, Nashville game, and it's starting to develop. Like these guys have had, you know, nine, ten games of chemistry to build here. It's not exactly a whole lot of runway, Um, but it does feel like. You know, Queen Hughes has got a lot more trust in Philip Horonik because he's never really had a D-man like this. And it just feels like he can activate a lot earlier in the plays. What are you noticing about this jump that Queen Hughes is making? He deserves his own credit, don't get me wrong, of, of you know, becoming faster, more confident. But it just does feel like he can play quicker, knowing that when the puck goes to Horonik, I can do and access different parts of the ice.
1: Yeah, I think you've seen him take off, right? Like He, get, he gets over it instead of that first thought being where can I defensively support this guy, or do I need to be somewhere just in case there's a, a screw-up? He's jumping through the middle, filling lanes, um, being quick. And actually, like, Nashville's game was probably the fastest I've seen the Canucks, from my point of view, look, in a long time. But that's a big reason, too. Those guys are just so good on their chemistry. And you're right, Hughes just seems like he's kind of been freed up to, to jump in spots and support heroic. Uh, going up the ice and not necessarily for the, the back-to-back or the drop pass or any of that stuff.
0: Okay, so you mentioned they, they looked fastest, and I think people are saying, hey, it's the same guys. They they don't necessarily skate faster. So so what stood out as far as, I imagine you mean, play faster?
1: I think they just got up the ice. You saw, like, there was a couple plays, and it was a broken play for the um, Giuseppe's goal, their second, mm-hmm. the start started second, but Canucks get, the puck and the forwards go and they're just getting out the ice and Hughes ends up just flicking it up. But even if you take the goal against, um, you know, where Meyer steps up there and, and Susie turns it over, I think part of the reason there is Susie gets control and you see Mikheyev kind of hook like he's going to go. So I think they're just, it, it'll be something to pay attention to coming up here. It just seems like as soon as the D-men are getting, control, or they think they have control of the puck. It seems like the forwards are getting out of the zone, going, playing with speed. And then you saw those little tips to a post guy where he's hitting wingers and, and forwards skating full on um, through those plays. So uh, they look fast to me. We'll see if it continues that way.
0: The, the the real bulk of the conversation this week about those two, obviously they're playing phenomenal, but th- there's a lot of worry of how many minutes they're locking. It's 27 and 25 for Hronick and Hughes last game. They're both above 25 the night before as well and suddenly it's like okay how long can you run them out like this and and you know rick talking has even admitted he can't do this forever but i was just talking about what an opportunity they have here over the next couple of weeks uh because of what the pacific is look, r- looking like right now with edmonton and calgary and in, in the early part of the season do you just put your best foot forward and say hey like we'll run these guys for another two three weeks we've, we've had some good luck with the schedule a couple of days off here and just say for the next two or three weeks let's take advantage of this and and while this is working we'll worry to solve the problem maybe be in in late november december
1: yeah i think so like you've seen huge correlations in in the past of where teams are in the standings come um american thanksgiving and where they end up finishing so why not kind of put hay in the barn while you can i think something's rolling do it obviously yeah you're right they can't keep um riding those guys 25 plus every single night but um you know well you can put numbers on teams like edmonton especially i mean I would expect them to turn it around eventually, right? So you want to get as far as you ha- get that gap as big as you can right now. So, yeah, yeah, I think you just run it out and then deal with it. Obviously, in the back-to-back situation here, um, Foot at home, they have the luxury of being at home. They can control those matchups a bit more. So maybe uh, Foot will be able to pick a little where he can rest guys. Maybe if the first lines aren't out, they, they put out like a coal cole Susie combo, something like that, where they give those guys the rest. Whereas on the road, they probably would have been starting those um, out of those uh, timeouts and, and breaks because they just don't know who's coming on the ice.
0: Is there a number you look at? Because I, I do kind of shrug my shoulders at times, too, of like, oh, Quinn Hughes, he's playing 25 minutes a night. And, like, every year we look at Drew Doughty. He's out there, you know, 26 time on ice per game, and he's leading the way. Thomas Chabot has kind of led the way. Is there a number you look at and say, I'd like to get Quinn to this number and, and we shouldn't kind of overreact too much?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's just the way he skates. He reminds me so much of Niemeyer.
0: Mm-hmm. Just
1: it's, it's kind of effortless in that way. So I think he can, he has the capacity to to have a, a more ice than most guys, especially with his frame and being a young guy. So I don't think 25 is bad for him on a night, but obviously in certain certain aspects you want to you want to rest him and and if you got guys that maybe like a guy like Cole that's playing with Friedman, so he's not getting maybe his regular minutes, lean on him more in like a PK situation or something, but that comes with trust between that D core and foot as well. So, I mean, I think those guys can do mid-20s, but they're definitely aware that they can't overload them too much, especially when they get into dog days of, you know, call it January, that kind of thing. So the sooner they can figure out a solution maybe or or a better um, plan of attack for spreading spreading out minutes among the bottom four, then it might help them in the long run a bit.
0: Uh, sure enough, while we're talking about minutes for D-Man, a text comes into our inbox. I wonder how many minutes Myers gets tonight. I, I hope it's less than 10. That's from an in, uh, <laughs> a listener here. But, you know, I, I asked Yannick Hansen earlier this week, just because we see now Rick Tockett kind of take a bit more accountability in this, and, and the minutes have come down, and, and there's been benchings, and he's been down to 13 minutes here. But it took a couple of games, obviously. And you have to give a little bit of leeway for mistakes. But, look, mistakes are part of the game. It's a game of mistakes. Uh, how much rope did you kind of like from coaches to say, like, we'll allow one, but, but how many more do you get?
1: Yeah, I mean, most guys, most professional athletes are going to be way harder on themselves than the coaches can be. Like, there's no way Myers doesn't you know, isn't staying awake at night with some of these, mm-hmm. some of the, I think he's had a couple of bad bounces and, and um, I still think he can be a good player. Obviously he's had a, a stretch of a, a few mistakes here. Um, yeah. I, I just want to coach to be honest. I think talk, it's pretty, pretty good that way. I mean, to the media side, and what we see is very not blunt, but to the point and kind of tells you how it is. That's what you want. I don't want some guy telling me some story no. And then when I know it's something else. I just tell it to me straight so I can deal with it and go get it. I think Cockett's doing that. I'm sure he's doing that with Myers. And um now it's up to Myers to to prove, you know, whether the work ethic in the gym and that stuff to stay in the lineup and where he is and also to, you know, play a little better, limit some of the mistakes he's made.
0: I actually wanted to go through one of the goals he was on uh, the ice for against Nashville because he kind of jumps across in the neutral zone, across the ice, tries to make, break up a play, and it ultimately slides back to Carson Soucy. And, you know, was, obviously Carson Soucy can't make that pass and then turn it over. But, you know, the point I was kind of making on the intermissions is, you know, he doesn't really have anywhere to go because Myers has jumped into the play and, and he's now trapped between three predators. What did you see on that play? Yeah,
1: I actually thought it. I had it in my notes that it was a good play by Myers. He, he, his gap, he's actually forcing these guys to make a play on the offensive side of the red line. So I think that was actually good. And then Susie ends up with it, which is exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to force that where they can't ice it or, or create a forecheck and turn it over to your defense. So that's good. Myers gets back in the middle, so he can kind of do a little pass, but that ends up cutting off the far far rink-wide pass mm-hmm. to the forwards. And again, those forwards, Mikheyev, classically kind of the forwards of the guy, right? The, the D-man would come across, take the body there, it would go back to the D-man, and then the center would fill in for the D-man as an option. Now, Mikheyev takes off. It, he, Susie doesn't really have any go anywhere to go. And that Nashville forward makes a good play, realizing, hey, he doesn't have any plays here besides up the wall. And he ends up cutting off the wall. If it gets by him, it's probably an odd man from Vancouver the other way. So it's a bit on Susie to make that play. I think Myers actually does a good job of standing on the offensive side of the red line, which is kind of your trigger point and probably what Adam Foote wants. So I don't want to blame it on Foot. And then, yeah, I mean, the Ford made a good, good play cutting off the wall, and, and they capitalized.
0: Uh, talking to Brett Fesling, as we do on Fridays here. I uh, also want to get a, your impression of uh, a D-Man. We want to talk about him last week because we got our first impressions of him. But Mark Friedman, what have you liked and uh, what have you noticed?
1: Yeah, I mean, I like uh, what he brings. He kind of brings that meat and potatoes, uh, get what you pay for type of style. Like I think his penalty in the third actually was a perfect example of it. It looks like the, the puck's coming to the net and he's coming off the wall with one of the players, and he goes straight for box-out. He doesn't care what's happening on the ice. He doesn't even check the, a second chance if the puck's coming. He completely boxes the guy out, gets the interference call. But that's kind of what you get. He's going to do the fundamentals as hard as he can and, and leave it out there. And he's he got a scrap in one of the first games there, and he's had some good bodies. So I think for a depth guy, he, he'll be really good. He does the... The fundamentals really well. Talk's obviously got um, um, previous experience with him and knows what to expect. So, so far so good. I I think it'll be interesting to see if they do keep this Susie Myers kind of big combo together and then Cole and Freeman, what those minutes look like for Freeman. I don't know if you want him playing fourth, fourth guy minutes in terms of, but it kind of depends how much they play coal, I guess, and then how they spread that amongst the bottom three.
0: Now, we always talk about the the, the, the pairings, right, and, and the lines of those guys playing together. Um, we don't always focus about how much D-men are playing with forwards. And as you just mentioned, like, hey, is he going to get the fourth guy mi- minutes? But it's also who is he playing with uh, and what opportunities is he playing with with, with forwards as well. And Elias Pettersson has been playing with a lot of different D-men. Now, um he's he's played the most with Hughes and Horonic because they play, obviously, a lot, but it is significantly less than what Miller has played with Hughes and Horonic as well. It's about 20 minutes less at 5-on-5. Five five. Does that kind of speak to the type of season Pedersen is having and and having to get to play with different guys more often uh, defensively?
1: Yeah, I think it probably speaks to how um, well Petey's defensive game is. They probably trust him in a more... Um, defensive spots where he can almost act as that additional support in, in a defensive role for if you get Friedman whoever Myers out there. So, so he can be a little more responsible than Point Miller, not that you want to be. I think he just plays more responsible and, and more awareness there. And then um, yeah, it'll be interesting if that affects his offensive numbers. Obviously uh, Hughes and Horonic have that, that chemistry going and, and can keep him more of a sustained uh, offensive pressure, so uh, it's interesting to see how that turns out. But I think it speaks more to how much in the defensive spot being out with maybe last capable of being really is what I think it is.
0: Uh, also, Petey's uh, winger came back. Ilya McKay of he looked like so so far through two games.
1: I like I like it for the for how much he missed and the timing of how those two play, Like that line would be extremely hard to play against. Some of the some of the plays they come up with and the style of Kazmenko um, and, and Mikheyev, they're very tight in a phone booth type of stick coming back forth. Even that first goal, Kazmenko makes a nice move to fight off two guys, really, and then get the pass over to Mikheyev. And then he does a similar move to what we saw um, in Tampa Bay there with, uh, what's his name, Kuznetsov? No. Anyways. Um, he does the inside-out he goes far across D, man, shoots it through the triangle back the other way and, and gets a goal that way. And really, if you go back to the Florida game, McCabe could have had uh, probably one or two in that game and then probably had two or three other opportunities in this game. So the fact that he's getting opportunities, they play super well together. It would be very hard to play against. It just adds another um, level to that line, I think, and more of a one-two punch than the Canucks had in the first couple games.
0: Uh, last one here, kind of comment as well um, from the – uh, Dunbar Lumber text to Gym Box Why the choice of playing Demco tonight uh, or, uh, Yeah, tonight Rather than the Rangers On a Saturday night, big game With the Rangers in town Now, it's a conference game tonight So I imagine more important than the non-conference game uh, And Casey DeSmith is having some success right now As well, so so get his chance uh, in net too But uh, what have you liked about the two goalies so far?
1: Yeah, I think it's just ref It gives Demco that ref He's obviously playing confident right now He looked really well um, yeah, I think you're right. Like, they'll probably give up because of the conference. It's, it goes back to putting hay in the barn while you can and getting ahead of teams that you're directly competing against. I think that's the biggest thing. And then, is it for sure? DeSmith on Saturday? Do uh, I'm
0: sorry. It's yeah. Uh, Rick Tuckett said earlier today. It's it's Demko tonight, DeSmith tomorrow, and and as you mentioned, more rest then. So it goes Saturday, Sunday, Monday off for Demko to get ready for a Nashville game.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's exactly it. You get Demko against teams you're going to be directly competing against, and really, if you, you know, they're they're playing really well right now. But if you look at everything, they're probably going to be kind of in that wild card position. Hopefully, they overachieve there. But that's St. Louis, and and naturally going to be teams you're directly competing against there. So I think that's the biggest biggest part of that decision.
0: Brett, uh, good chat as always. Uh, we'll hear you tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow at the rink. Appreciate it. See you tomorrow. Uh, It's a former NHLer, Brett Festerling, former Vancouver Giant. You hear him often here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, All right, we'll do Big Six on the other side. Also going to join us, Satyar Shah, from the rink as we get ready for uh, not just the Canucks versus the Blues tonight, but also Browns versus Seahawks. And guys, naming dudes coming up here on The People Show.